Heart of Darkness by Obsidia. Welcome to Sobcast. I am your host Jeff, and I am a Sob, or Seeker of Veritas. Veritas meaning truth. This time in hard-thrusting news, police morals continue to sag ever lower. And Coulter, surprisingly still a bitch. Well, not that surprisingly. Pretty fucked for fucking because what about the children? Then, this time in my segment called Cool Shit, the first installment of Fuck Cancer. And to finish the show, I'll talk about Pothole Penises, Canada, the land of rape and honey. No, I said tea, a cup of tea with not, not noteworthy news. Now it's time for hard thrusting news. Why do I call it hard thrusting news? Because it's hard to find a news story where someone isn't getting fucked. You get up and howl about America and democracy. Well, a very, very heavy, uh, heavy divertation. It's hard to talk when you're TVing. Fucking Bill O'Reilly sucks. Tonight's forecast: dark, continued dark tonight. Turning to partly light in the morning. I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourselves. Hey, what's happening, man? Our first story, like I said, police morals continue to sag ever lower. West Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Irvin Leon Edwards, 38, a partially deaf and slightly mentally disabled man, died face down in a jail cell after six officers held him down, tasered him, and then left him for dead. You may be asking yourself, what crime does one commit that justifies death by electrocution these days? Police were questioning him about an argument with his girlfriend and then began harassing him over his sagging pants, which, thanks to right-wing racist douche nozzles, is illegal in West Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Then he was arrested moments later by what has to be the harshest definition of the fashion police I've ever heard of. As Edwards was being arrested for the let's us fuck with darky law, he began to voice his discontent. Nonetheless, officers still managed to restrain him and bring him to jail for sagging pants. Yeah. If sagging pants is what these fuckers were really concerned with, they'd just carry around a one-size-fits-all belt and charge it to the taxpayers for each one they had to give out. During the arrest... Police threatened to taser Edwards, at which point his girlfriend that he was arguing with before begged them not to because of Edwards' high blood pressure. So remember that. They knew Edwards had a heart condition. What happens next can only be described as gross criminal negligence on behalf of the Port Allen Police Department. The incident happened back in November 2013, but the video of the incident has only been recently released to the public. Um, what it shows is pretty disturbing. Um, the video starts as Edwards is dragged into an isolation cell by six officers. He appears to have his hands restrained behind his back at this time. Um, as police were apparently attempting to restrain him further, Edwards can be seen struggling. However, at no point does he appear to pose a threat to the six cops on and around his body. At this point, we can see that one officer applies his taser, to the buttocks of Edwards. In statements after the incident, the officer, Officer Dustin McMillan, claims to have tased Edwards for five seconds, but when it didn't appear to work, I put my, I holstered my taser. 
However, the video shows that Officer McMillan is staggeringly full of shit. Um, the video shows Officer McMillan tasing Edwards for over a minute. And by the end, Edwards is obviously unconscious. Now, despite what you may have seen in TV and movies, people are not typically rendered unconscious by tasers. If someone is rendered unconscious due to tasing, it usually means that they hit their head while falling or that they're having some kind of medically significant reaction to the tasing and should be seen by medical professionals immediately. Any officer trained in the use of tasers should be, and probably is, aware of this fact. Um, oh yeah, and instead of checking on Edwards, the officers slowly backed away from the body and left the cell. Um, for shits and giggles, one officer is seen pulling uh, the pants from Edwards' limp body before closing the door. I guess, you know, oh, no pants better than sagging ones. Um, several minutes pass before anyone even looks in the isolation cell. Uh, Edwards, the video shows that Edwards never moves. Uh, more time passes. A second person looks in the cell, says nothing. Edwards' body remains in the same position. Um, at a third glance into the cell, finally, it results in officers checking on Edwards. Unfortunately, it was too late. Any emergency life-saving techniques at this point was futile. Um, the officer's original statement, however, was that they tased him and left him passed out on the floor, but then they saw him breathing and moving his arms each time they checked on him, which is a lie. In the video, you can clearly see, you know, I saw a sped up version of the video and he didn't move at all. Um, because he's dead. Um, Greg Mayer a retired captain with the Los Angeles Police Department and nationally recognized use of force expert said, the fact that the subject appears unresponsive, perhaps unconscious on the floor as the officers withdrew from the cell, should have resulted in an immediate request for medical intervention and a quick determination of whether there was a pulse or breathing. If no pulse was found, CPR should have been started immediately. So see, it's not just my opinion. Um... The cause of death was classified as undetermined by death investigators. Um, however, they did make sure to point out that there was cocaine and PCP in his system and was listed on uh, the autopsy report as um, in association. His death, those, those drugs were in association with restraint by police officers. That's what led to his death. Uh, I was reminded immediately of Dave Chappelle, you know, just sprinkle a little crack on him. Um, don't let them shift the blame, though. A report I heard lately said that you shouldn't tase a healthy person more than three times, let alone a person with a suspected heart condition for more than a minute straight. Um, once an officer grossly misuses a tool... What drugs a suspect might be on becomes a bit of a moot point. He shouldn't have tased him that long. Um, not to mention the original reason Edwards was retained is ridiculous. Sagging pants. Now, they were originally called because of an argument he was having with his girlfriend. The argument had subsided. They, they, they reconciled their differences by the time the cops got there. How many times have you had an argument with a loved one? Would you want to be killed for it? I don't think so. Um, after the incident in 2013, 
An internal review was conducted surrounding the events of Edward's death. Predictably, the officers found themselves to have committed no wrongdoing. Oh, that's... Wow, what a fucking shacker. Um, the sheriff's office has since turned over the findings of the investigation to the U.S. Department of Justice in Washington, D.C., so hopefully we'll see some action on that. Edward's only son has since filed a wrongful death suit in federal court. Um, and just to add my two cents, over and over, we see stacks of cops kneeling on suspects, choking them and cranking their arms, screaming, Stop resisting! Stop resisting! Without giving any assurances that the pain will stop. Um, here's something I've learned in over 30 years of martial arts experience. Offer someone enough pain, and they will almost always comply. Continue to apply said pain long enough after compliance, and the person, after compliance has been given, and the person will begin to panic, and will start to struggle all over again. And what this means is, the person in pain thinks you can't be trusted to show mercy. Ergo, you will now have to significantly escalate the use of force to subdue them again. Um, this is very bad. It's a compounding circle of escalation that, you know, you hurt them, they, they give in, you continue to hurt them, they fight back even harder. So now you got to really fuck them up to stop them. Um, and as we continue to see over and over again, this compounding cycle of escalation is leading to serious injuries and death. Um, because if you escalate enough, the last scale of es escalation is bullets. Um, it is not essential that cops trust suspects. It is, however, vital that the suspects be able to trust the cops, for the suspects are giving up the responsibility of their own well-being to said cops. Um, when this trust breaks down, even simple arrests can turn into bloody brawls. I have one of my thought experiments um, that I like to do. For any of you who still don't understand, here's an experiment that you really shouldn't try. I call it the suspect challenge. It's like the ice bucket challenge, but deadlier. Uh, get six guys together, five to play the role of the cops who are aware of the entirety of the experiment, and one to play the role of the suspect who is only aware of the first part of the experiment. Now here's part one. The five cops each pitch in $20. Roll it up, put it in a rubber band, and then put the roll of money in the one playing the suspect's hand. The suspect lays face down on the concrete, and the cops, the ones playing the cops, kneel on him until he gives up the cash. Now here's part two. At this point, the one playing the suspect will think it's over. Will think, the, yeah, okay, that, that, here's the money, I'm done. But then you inform him that you will continue to kneel on him for a random time interval between 5 and 20 minutes. And during that time period, he will be tasered once, and he will be pepper sprayed once. But tell him not to worry, because if he can make it through, he'll get the $100 back. At this point, be prepared for the one playing the suspect to freak the fuck out. Um, I recommend checking his person for weapons before letting him up and having EMTs standing by for when the one playing the suspect stops breathing. Um, have fun, but 
but really, don't do this. This is what's called a thought experiment, which means if you actually do this, I would reason that you are incapable of thought. System of a down deer dance. On to the next story. Uh, Ann Coulter, surprisingly still a bitch. Well, not that surprisingly. Here's a scary question. Just how much do Americans know about President Obama's accomplishments or the Republican presidential candidates? Jesse Waters in Jesse Waters' world hit the streets to find out. What do you guys think about Marco? Hello. <laughs> Marco Rubio. Never heard of him. He's a Republican senator out of Florida. I don't like him. Pieces like this mean absolutely nothing. You know, you show like a couple of people and that's, a big enough that's supposedly a big enough sample size to draw conclusions that's so full of shit um but it is fox so shit is what we expect well there you go <laughs> this along with studies showing americans are poorly informed on government and politics a similar study showed that people who watch fox news are the most ill-informed of news watchers people who who watch no news, don't read, don't watch, don't take in any news at all. A study found that they are better informed than people who watch Fox News. So is it time to revisit a test for people to be able to vote? Joining us around to debate this, conservative columnist Ann Coulter and executive director of the Accountability Project, Nomiki Akonst. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. All right, Ann, does it bother you that your vote counts as much as somebody that does not know what's going on? <laughs> More than I can say. <laughs> More than I can say. Could she be any bigger stereotype of some rich elite fucking snob? I don't think so. Nothing I can say. Uh, I just think it should be, well, for one thing, a little more difficult to vote. There's nothing unconstitutional about oh, literacy tests. Um, instead, we have ballots being given in 124 different languages, and I'm, I'm pretty sure Senate debates will not be taking place in Urdu. I'm pretty sure. So, so what are they voting on? And um, the, my, main, my main point is I would let Democrats do all of the vote theft. This is what psychologists call projection. They can get away with, but I would limit voting day to one 24-hour <laughs> period. Yeah, I do. The, the whole mail-in thing, unless you're serving the military. Uh, otherwise, people, are, they're just bringing in the bushels of the... Well, that's not true. No, that's never been proven true. It's, it's no, been had, filled. I, I know you don't feel that way, but does it bother you at all that people who can't name the vice president or don't know how many senators in the state vote count as much as you? I mean, I don't know. Sure, their vote counts as much as they, uh, as, but I don't this. know if the vote, the they're, they're not, not actually to... voting, though. Only 36% of the population is voting, and that's the lowest ever. Not one state this past election went over 60%. She's right. Um, I think everyone should vote. Everyone. And I think it should be made easier. I think, I think voting, you know, places maybe should be open 24 hours a day for a couple of weeks every vote should count everyone's opinion should count everyone's a fucking citizen um there are the countries like australia where if you don't vote you get fined and it's not a horrible fine but you know it's it's a bit of an accent you know an incentive um but it's just oh, these people we have a civic crisis in america but that's not we shouldn't 
uh, block people from voting. We should be investing in civic education. And since 1960, we have cut civic ed education. I agree drastically across the board. So the real problem is in the education system, which Republicans are defunding state by state. Very, very good point made by, I can't remember what her name is. Um, yeah, they're trying to destroy funding for education because they want private schools. They want private school vouchers and private schools. They want to destroy public schools so that people have to pay. And remember, these motherfuckers are all about dollar dollar bill, y'all pay to go to school more than just taxes it's despicable and let's build on this if we want to build up civic education what a great way to do it to force people to understand what's going on before we allow them to vote um well that's fine but until that happens maybe we could check to see if they can name the vice president before letting them vote um and as for more civic education that usually means the 12 oh, years of chinese style bitch. propaganda in the public <laughs> schools which only means you are dumber than someone who has not gone to school i don't know about that one in three citizens can't pass a citizen test but people who are coming to america and become citizens who may not speak english as their first language are passing citizens tests. excellent point so we have an issue here that goes beyond like what language somebody speaks. It really has to do so with we agree. investing in America. So, so how about having a literacy test? Well, it's against the law. It, it violates the 14th and the 25th oh, Amendment. It's against the 1965 Voting Rights Act. You it know, there are plenty. It, it does totally not. does. not. Courts have ruled this. But well. in case anyone ever pulls this on you, viewers, <laughs> um, the truth of the matter is fake literacy tests were used by Democrats. And because... Somebody made a mistake at some point in history that gives us the right to do any dumb fucking thing we want. Um, after the Civil War to prevent blacks from And then the law changed. Say, you know, <laughs> hundred years later. Jelly beans are in the jar well, or something and they would just allow every white person, oh yes, you did it, and they wouldn't allow blacks to use it. Again, continuing the long tradition of democratic vote theft. Well, how about That's, this? Those literacy tests are unconstitutional. But that was a hundred years the ago. The president took this a step further about a month ago and he said, I have an idea, let's make it mandatory like they do in Brazil. Let's, yeah. Yeah. Everybody vote. Let's do it. Let's yes, do it. Everybody then, and then people will take it seriously. Maybe they'll read a little bit before. You know, maybe they'll they'll Ooh, do some more know, research. That's not true. The we reason make it so Democrats want this is um, is a completely ignorant voter better for the uh, Democratic Party or the Republican Party? I say the Republican the Democratic <laughs> Party. Well, weirdly though, you're the one pushing for totally uh, ignorant voters. No, me and Ann, this is a great debate, <laughs> and Ann, I cannot wait for your upcoming book, Adios America, coming up in just a couple of weeks. June first, and I hope I'll be here. And by the way, we could have discussed this subject in the eight o'clock hour. Okay, fine. Wow. <laughs> great. We can agree on that. Protest in the morning. Everyone's a little bit edgy because it's tax day. Uh, thanks, ladies, for coming in. So just remember. Ann Coulter's book is coming out. Um, so if you need some kindling, I recommend Ann Coulter's book. So around this time last year, I had a similar idea about having to pass a test to be able to vote. But my idea was to test the politicians voting bills into law. Um, I'm going to read to you my article called To Quiz a Politician, which can be found on my blog at sovcast.tumblr.com. That's S-O-V-C-A-S-T dot Tumblr dot com. The biggest part of a politician's job is supposed to be reading and understanding laws to be voted on. However, in far too many cases, their staffers, who are not elected by the people, are left to read and then give a synopsis or opinion to the politician. 
How do you ensure that politicians do their job and read the laws they're voting on? Easy. How did your English teachers ensure that you read a book that gave you a quiz? If you don't read the law or get an in-depth synopsis from a staffer, not just an overview, you won't pass the quiz and therefore won't be able to vote. But you say it's their job. They should vote on every law. Ah, but many politicians are so busy fundraising that they already don't vote on all the bills, which is problem number two. Uh, wolf-pack.com. A law should be passed requiring that to hold the to hold the office to which the politician has been elected, politicians be in attendance for let's say 95% of votes. If they can't be bothered to show up to work, then they should get fired like everybody else would. Now, more on the benefits of quizzing politicians. The quiz results of every politician would be a matter of public record which would ensure that any politician uninclined or unintelligent enough to learn the laws to be voted on would probably not serve more than one term. Oh, did I mention how important term limits are for every office? Well, it's really, really important. I smell another law that needs to be wrought. Another benefit of quizzing, let's say, let's say if 30% of the politicians fail a particular quiz, that would mean that the law in question is most likely convoluted or purposely misleading and should be rewritten. So let's get money out of politics, term limits in, and politicians elected to the office who have the inclination and the intellect to do their actual jobs of passing laws. And we all know how much politicians enjoy quizzing everybody else. Isn't it about time they take a turn? Loser by Beck. And the next story is pretty fucked for fucking because what about the children? A couple is facing up to 15 years in prison after being found guilty Monday of having sex on a Florida. Yes, of course it would be in fucking Florida beach. According to court records, Jose Caballero. That's a pretty cool name. Caballero. Jose Caballero, 40 and Elisa Alvarez, 20. Way to go, dude. Were arrested on July 20th, 2014 for having sex on a Bradenton beach. A beach which I have been to a few times. In front of beachgoers, including children. The pair denied that they had been having intercourse, arguing instead that Alvarez, Alvarez had been dancing, grinding, on top of Caballero to wake him up. The court was shown cell phone footage of Alvarez gyrating on top of Caballero. In the end, it took the jury just 15 minutes to convict the pair of second-degree felony charges of lewd and lascivious exhibition in front of minors. 15 minutes. Jesus. According to court records, a sentence hearing has yet to be set, but the charges carry a maximum of 15 fucking years in prison. Think about that. Assistant State Attorney Anthony DeFonseca said his office is considering asking the court to impose the full sentence on Caballero because he has previously served time in jail for trafficking cocaine, which, unless I'm mistaken, has absolutely nothing to do 
with this case and therefore should not be allowed to be brought up in testimony at all, in my opinion. Um, De Francesca then goes on to say that Mrs. Alvarez has no criminal history, so we'll be seeking a reasonable sentence in according with that. But Mr. Caballero, he went to prison, and he had a prior criminal history. He was out within a couple of years, and now three years later has committed another offense. So he got, so he got two years for trafficking cocaine. He's going to give him 15 years for fucking... Give me a fucking break. So in other words, this dickhead wants Caballero to get a longer sentence for sex than for selling cocaine, both of which are nonviolent crimes. Um, in my opinion, it's highly debatable on whether either offense should be punishable by prison. Francesca may have grown a bit of a heart for his office is considering asking for a lesser sentence of three years for Caballero and nothing longer than 60 days for Alvarez, which is long enough for someone to lose their fucking job. Then they want to be followed by a term of probation. I mean, 60, think about it, 60 days in jail. Imagine if you missed 60 days of work. Do you really think you'd have a job? And not to mention, both of these people have been put on the sex offenders list already. So whatever your career is, it's probably over. Such a sentence for Caballero would still be notably more served than the maximum two years prison sentence for a similar offense in the United Arab Emirates. Um, a British couple were sentenced to three months in prison for an indecent behavior on a beach in 2008. The pair were deported before serving any jail time. And that's the United Arab Emirates. And they, and they want to give them somewhere between three and 15 fucking years. Um... And the fact that this couple could spend 15 years in prison is beyond ridiculous. I know, but what about the poor little children? If they know what's going on, it's too late to protect them from the act that created them in the first place. And if they don't get what's going on, and they, heavens forbid, ask about it, is it really worth destroying two lives having to tell your kids about sex a little early? In my opinion, the cops should have rolled up, pepper sprayed them in the genitals, and called it a fucking day. Then the couple should have, be, have received a summons in the mail, and then be sentenced to community service. No one benefits from them going to jail, and that's the truth for most, if not all, nonviolent offenders. It's simply a huge waste of money and lives. Foxtrot Uniform Charlie Keeler by Bloodhound Gang. Now it's time for my science, history, and technology segment I call Cool Shit. This time will be my first installment of Fuck Cancer. Cool. 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 
Why so serious? This is the first installment of Fuck Cancer. You say hi, I say hello. But if you put them next to each other, hi, hello, you can see that technically they are different words. However, they activate the same part of the brain. How the hell does this relate to cancer? I'll explain. Anandiamide, hereto referred to as AEA, is a neurotransmitter that tells cancer cells, Hi. For the good of the body, you should really kill yourself. The cancer cell, having no fear of death, says, By Jove, I thought there was something wrong. That's why I installed all these extra doors just for you. I will commence to exterminate myself with extreme prejudice. You see, when the cell goes cancerous, it increases the number of CB receptors, AEA, high, then bonds to the CB receptor and jacks the cancer cell up. If I start to lose you, just remember, AEA good, AEA kill cancer. AEA, high, kills the cancer cell in a process called apoptosis, or programmed cell death. AEA, high, causes the mitochondria inside cancerous cells to unravel. Cells get their energy to function from their mitochondria. Without its mitochondria, the cell quickly dies. So why do people still get cancer? Well, there are a couple of problems. One, if you're sick, stressed, or ill in any way, your AEA high production goes down. Two, unlike most neurotransmitters, AEA high is produced on demand and is not stored in interstitial tissue, or in layman's terms, the tissue between the cells. Three, AEA high is quickly broken down by a substance called fatty acid amide hydrolase, or hereto referred to as FAAH. You really are a fat bastard. So what can you do? Well, you can eat right and exercise and still you might get cancer, albeit less often. Or you could take a supplement that has shown to not only inhibit FAAH, you really are a fat bastard, but also says hello, hello, hello. instead of hi, hi to the CB receptors on the cancer cells and therefore induce programmed cell death killing the cancer cell. What is this supplement and why haven't you heard about it? The truth is, you probably have. You just thought it was a bunch of new age hooey. That sounds like a bunch of new age hooey. The truth is, the two substances I mentioned are found in cannabis. That's right, cannabis. Delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol can take the place of AEA in the body and cause a cancer cell to undergo programmed cell death. And cannabidiol strong am I with the force can inhibit the degradation of AEA high in the body by blocking FAAH. You really are a fat bastard. Thus increasing your levels of AEA. Hi. But I don't want to get high, you say. Most of the high feeling comes from the tetrahydrocannabinol, better known as THC. So you could take cannabidiol, strong am I with the force, 
to help boost your own AEA levels high without that high feeling. Still not convinced? Chronic inflammation and free radical oxidation can cause many types of cancer. Cannabidiol strong am I with the force is not only one of the most powerful anti-inflammatory agents in the world, it is also a more powerful antioxidant than either vitamin C or vitamin E. Oh, and while we're at it, fuck MRSA. Bacteria. You might not see them, but they're there. MRSA, short for methicillin resistant Staphylococcus aureus, is a bacteria that can cause difficult to treat infections since it doesn't respond to many antibiotics. Many healthy people carry MRSA on their skin. Bacteria. You might not see them, but they're there. But problems arise when multi-drug resistant strains infect people with weak immune systems through an open wound. In the worst cases, the bug spreads throughout the body, causing a life-threatening infection. To make matters worse, resistance to antibiotics is rapidly increasing, and some strains are now even immune to vancomycin, a powerful antibiotic that is normally used only as a last resort. When extracts from five major cannabinoids were applied to bacterial cultures of six strains of MRSA, bacteria. You might not see them, but they're there. they discovered that cannabinoids were as effective at killing the bacteria as vancomycin and other antibiotics. Conveniently, of the five cannabinoids tested by the researchers, the two most effective ones also happen to be non-psychoactive, meaning that they can't get you high. What this means is, we could use fiber hemp plants that have no use as a recreational drug at all to cheaply and easily produce potent antibiotics. Cannabinoids could quickly be developed as a treatment for skin infections, provided the non-psychoactive variants are used. The most practical applications of cannabinoids would be as topical agents to treat ulcers and wounds in a hospital environment, decreasing the burden and use of antibiotics. However, if you are too proud to change your mind on the use of non-psychoactive cannabis oils to treat your MRSA, there is another technique that has shown promise. Letting fucking maggots eat out the infection. I don't know about you, but I'm taking the cannabis oil. For full disclosure, I personally have never taken any form of cannabis, but it turns out the dirty hippies were right. So time for me and you to get over the massive amounts of shit we as kids were forced to swallow about marijuana. And if you're still of the mind that there's no way all that good stuff can come from a plant, just remember that 50% of cancer drugs and 70% of all drugs from the last 20 years are plant-based. So next time you get the chance to vote on medical marijuana, vote no on cancer and yes on cannabis. Legalize it by Bob Marley. And now, they're not important, but they are funny, weird, entertaining, or at least good enough to make it in the news. It's not, not noteworthy news. That's right. Not, not noteworthy news. Think about it. First story, pothole penises. 
armed with a can of waspel spray paint, an artist in Greater Manchester, England, has embarked on a worthy crusade to rid the region of potholes by drawing penises on them. <laughs> the anonymous artist, who goes by the name Wanksy, told the Manchester Evening News that he decided to draw attention to the appalling pothole-ridden streets after his after some of his cyclist friends were badly injured. Uh, Wanksy said, I wanted to attract attention to the potholes and make it memorable. Nothing seemed to do this better than a giant comedic phallus. I'm starting to go Australian there. It's also speedy. I don't want to be in the, the road for a long time. It seems to have been my signature. I just want to make people smile and draw attention to the problem. I'm pretty sure I was going Australian there. I am sorry, people from England. Please forgive me. The artist, who uses non-permanent paint that he said washes out within a week or two, told BBC Newsbeat that his scheme has proven successful so far, with potholes apparently getting fixed more quickly. Wanksy has apparently won himself many fans for his antics, but local government is not amused. A council spokesman in Bury, a town in Greater Manchester, told the evening news that the artist's actions are simply not only stupid, but increasingly insult the local residents. Has this person, for just one second, considered how families with young children must feel when they are confronted with these obscene symbols as they walk to school? Not only is this vandalism, but it's also counterproductive. Every penny that we have to spend cleaning off this graffiti is a penny less that we have to spend on actually repairing the potholes. Once again, what about the children? God. Fucking right-wingers is always their shit, isn't it? Trollolo by Edward Kill. Our second story. Canada, the land of rape and honey. Canada town reconsiders slogan after 55 years. Many residents of tiny Tillsdale, a hamlet of 3,200 on the Saskatchewan Prairie, are proud to call their town the rape capital of Canada. Wait for it. While Tisdale residents take pride in its town's abundant rapeseed crop, officials wonder if the model could be interpreted as a bit insensitive. Hmm, let me think about that. Rape capital. Since 1960, Tisdale's rare visitors have encountered welcome signs promoting the village as the land of rape and honey. And many locals want to keep it that way, according to town official Sean Wallace. Wallace said, from what I understand, a lot of people feel there's a tradition involved in that, and that's something I can't fault. All the same, decades of complaints and growing embarrassment recently inspired the town to launch a survey of its citizens to see if they would prefer to update the slogan. The tradition began when crop scientists in neighboring Manitoba developed an edible variety of rapeseed, which has been previously used solely to produce industrial oils. Now grown widely around the world for use as cooking oil, rapeseed was renamed canola for Canadian oil low acid in its early existence for obvious marketing reasons, but not in Tisdale, at least not until July when the results of the survey will be known. Song of Time and Song of Storms by Taylor Davis. And for our last story, no, I said tea, a cup of tea. A wife in India 
claiming she would rather live with her parents, eventually decided she'd had enough. But after moving out, the husband begged her to go back for the sake of their four-year-old daughter. She agreed, but only if he cooked for her, massaged her feet, and did all the washing up. But after moving back in with her husband and his parents, her in-laws found out about the arrangement and tried to stop it. The husband seemed fine with it, but the in-laws went mental and accused her of treating him like a slave. And although the in-laws knew she didn't like them very much, they had no idea what she was doing each day when she smiled and offered them tea. <laughs> then one day, the mother-in-law went into the kitchen and found the wife urinating into the teapot. The wife admitted to the in-laws that they had been drinking her urine-laced tea for over a year. <laughs> After going to the police and being told it was not a case for them, the horrified in-laws decided to take out a private prosecution. The mother-in-law said, You cannot urinate in someone's tea for a year and get away with it. We want justice. The husband and wife are now understood to be living apart, which is very understandable. It sounds like at least one person got justice. And that's it for our show today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Hopefully we'll do it again together real soon. In the meantime, I am Jeff. I am a seeker of Veritas. Check out my Tumblr page at sovcast.tumblr.com. That's S-O-V-C-A-S-T dot Tumblr dot com. Thank you. Q-Bot by Devin Marston.